Hello, I'm Dr. Jesse L. Grice, founder and uh, senior pastor of Truvine Baptist Church. It's my heart as we welcome you. I welcome you, and I praise God uh, that you will get something from it and bless your life. And in Jesus' name, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Reverend Relevant said, I don't know about you, but I came to praise him. He also said, when the praises go up, blessings come down. Anybody want to be blessed today? We give God all the praise. Thank you, man. Thank you, my brothers. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. For we praise you. We praise you for what you've already done. We praise you for what you're going to do. We praise you for what you're doing right now. But, oh, God, we worship you because you are God and we give you all the glory. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. Thank you, God, that you looked beyond my faults and saw my need. So I praise you today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come, oh, God, that this thy word is we come to worship you. We pray that all hearts and minds are cleared and open, ready for the spirit of the Lord to bless. And we thank you. Bless now, oh, God, that one that don't know you today as a Savior, perhaps you'll touch them today. That one that does know you, oh God, they'll be encouraged to praise you, even though they may be going through trouble, but they'll praise you through that trouble. And God bless now your servant, Lord. Think with my mind and speak with my mouth that which you want to say to these thy people and bless them in Jesus' name. Come now, Lord, by your spirit and bless us as we lift you up, as we praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's amazing that when we come to the house of the Lord, regardless of your affiliation with whatever denomination, we don't want to praise the Lord, but we ought to. And I pray that we continue to praise him. This morning we want to talk a little bit about what God would have us to do. How we ought to live. We'll be coming from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians by the Apostle Paul, chapter 4 verses 1 through six. And if you would please turn in your Bibles or your electronic devices to Ephesians chapter four, we began at verse one. If you're there already, please say amen. Others are turning. We pray that you will look at God's word as I read. Therefore, the prisoner I the, I, the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Please take your seats in the presence of the Lord. This morning we will come from this topic, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? So many, my brothers and sisters, have come to know the Lord, and we bless God for that. But there's a falling off. Kind of reminds me of what the Lord says in the book of Revelation that we have left our first love. Perhaps we don't know how to live. Maybe we are not taught how to live from the word of God. But we need to know that because God called us with a holy calling that makes us different than the world. We're just not Christians on Sunday. We're Christians 24-7, 365. We're Christians at night as well as in the morning. We're Christians on the job or whether you're retired or not. We're Christians whether you're fishing on the fish bank. We're Christians if you're shopping at H-E-B or Macy's. We are people of God. And after you have been saved, some of you have been saved, you wonder how then shall I live? I don't seem to get whatever they're talking about. I have come from darkness of my sin to the light of the grace of God. How then do I live? Oftentimes I see my brothers and sisters in error. Not that I'm perfect. But we're in error because we're not bound to the word of God. We're not bound to what God is saying to us individually and as a whole. How shall we live? I, I've come, if you would believe this. Think about it. We, you that know Jesus Christ as Savior, you come from the darkness of your sin to the light of the grace of God. Many of you are asking yourself that very question. You can't see a difference, perhaps, in the body of Christ because so many of us are not following what God has already said. We just, we just come and we enjoy the, the, the worship music and we enjoy the fellowship. We enjoy seeing our brothers and sisters that we haven't seen since last week. But we don't know how to live. There's more hell caused in the church than it does on the outside. Because we don't know how to live. Many of you are asking yourself that very question that there is no automatic answer, but there is a prescribed plan for living a holy life before God. You, people don't talk about holiness no more. They think that's a bad word. They think that you just can't be holy. Yes, you can. We can be holy. I'll say again that God already said to be holy, for I'm holy. That's what he said. He's not talking to those that don't know him. He's talking to his people. Be holy, for I'm holy. Some people are afraid of the word. You hear got these some particular things that went on in your life early on, and you don't like what's happening to some sect of people and how they do stuff. That doesn't matter. What matters is that we learn to live the way God said we ought to live, and it ain't no piece of cake. It's not a piece of cake. 
We look at one another and we began to judge. God did not call you to judge anybody. Doctrine is the theme of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And chapter 4 through 6 are practical and deals primarily with how the Christians should conduct their lives publicly and privately. How then shall we live? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 through 8 says this. We live by faith, not by sight. We have a faith walk. We pray and ask God for whatever we're asking God for. He doesn't necessarily bring it to you right away, but we by, his, by our faith in him, our trust, our confidence in a living God that he's going to do it. Somebody's sick today and we are praying for health. Somebody is on deathbed. We are praying for a recovery. Don't mean God did not hear us. He hears us, but we wait on him. We want to listen to him and, and want to be with him. You see, the Greek word translated faith means a firm conviction based upon hearing. Hearing what? Paul says from Romans 10, 17, he says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How? Pull out your Bible and start reading. Faith cometh by hearing. You can read it to yourself. You can hear when you come to church. You can hear with uh, biblical programs on, on TV or wherever. We, we need to hear the word of God more than we hear what's in the world. The world has our attention. They got more stuff to offer. But don't you be fooled. Don't get it twisted. That ain't the kind of thing that God wants you to hear. Some stuff they're playing on TV and your social media, you ought not turn it on. I got one hand praised. Praise God. We need to turn it away. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How often are you reading God's word for yourself? While you come to the worship place and expect me to tell you what God said, you need to read up. He's talking to you. How many of you got a private time with God? Don't raise your hand. We don't want nobody to be embarrassed. We need to have a time. Some quiet time. Quiet time to me is not turning the TV on or my favorite music station. No, it's quietness. And I pray that the Spirit of God touch me and I can hear him talk to me. Why? Because I need to hear the word of God. I need to hear God speak to me that I can speak to you. And as we speak of saving faith, it is a personal surrender to Christ. When we give our lives to the Lord, that's, we just want to be with him. I just want to be close to God. And as God is speaking and the word began to move in our hearts, things begin to change. It's not an outside job. When God saves us, it's an inside job. You may look the same, but you're not the same. And if you all know that you've been saved and, and people were surprised that you know Jesus, they begin to say, you look different. You say, no, I look the same. I just got this glow like Moses. That's because Jesus is in my heart. You sound the same. No, I don't. If I was sounding the same, you would say, excuse me, I don't know all them words you're talking about. It is personal surrender to the Lord. 
Some of us are not totally surrendered to God. I remember a song just came to mind. I surrender all. All to Jesus, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Have you surrendered yet? Some of y'all are, are renegades. You're running away from God, and God is trying to chase you. But really, he's already going, going to be there when you get wherever you're going. We need to surrender. We don't want to surrender because the world has our hearts. The world has seemingly more to offer. But I want you to know, dear friends, that God has more to offer than the world. That I've got eternal life in the Lord, but the world can't give you no eternal life. They can throw a few things in, some bling bling and all of that, but you don't have life. Those of you without Christ, the Bible says that you're walking, you're dead in your sin. But there's a life that you can get today. God can change you right now. And you can be walking in the light of the, in the Lord Jesus. And as you speak of the family of God we, and walking in faith, it is our conduct. This is how we do it, how we live. It's our conduct, how you act. All-time minister said that, uh, talk about conduct and Things like that is who you are in the dark, talking about character. How are you acting when nobody looking at you? How are you living when no church folk are around? And the bottles that you have on your counter there, we know there's not grape soda. Come on, y'all. It's our conduct of how we live our lives before unbelievers. In the light of our conviction, I wonder are you convicted? How we live is how God wants to live through us, that those who are unbelievers will understand that there's something about them. They don't want to come close to you. They, they, they feel they're going to get infected. But yeah, come on, get close. So I can share with them. Paul said, therefore, I... This is talking about conviction. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. And he's walking around in this case with chains on him for something he did not do. But he's a prisoner not because he has changed. He's a prisoner because there's another term in Scripture that says a bond servant. A bond servant is a slave who do not want to be free. And so they take a little instrument called an owl, A-W-L, and they put a hole in here. It ain't for earrings. But it's to let everybody know that's looking at you that you are a bondservant to God, that you don't want to be free. You as believers, you don't want to be free. You don't want to live like the world. You want to be different than the world. You want to impact the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us are doing that? You've got to go back and begin to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I blew it. I need to live day by day. In my faith for the Lord Jesus. He said, therefore, I'm a prisoner. He says, Plead, pleading you to walk, as he's talking to the Ephesian Christians, in a manner worthy of our calling. You just can't walk any old kind. You can't live no any old kind of way in God. Some of us today live in all kind of old kind of crazy ways. But then I see you at church. You're in the right place. You're just doing the wrong thing. Ah, therefore, and you see the word therefore in verse 1 marks a transition from doctrine to duty, from principle to practice, and from position to performance. 
The Apostle Paul, for clarity, gives an example from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and also Romans 12, 1 and 2. From Galatians, he says, stand fast. He's talking to the believer. Therefore, in the liberty of which Christ has made us free, stand fast. That is, stay where you are in your freedom with Christ. Stand fast and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, entangled with what the world is putting out. Entangling how the world lives. The morals of this world are in the, in the toilet. We look around and we've been praying and thank God for those of you that came to our hour of power. And someone was praying the other night about how we got identity crisis with our young people. The world will turn you inside out. We as moms and dads, we don't know what to do, but I'll tell you what you can do. Get on your knees and begin to call on God. Begin, Lord, bless my child. Turn it around, Lord. Get some other parents and begin to pray for your children. What we lost is a prayer for our children. We just put them out the house, gone, y'all go to school, now bless you. No. Grab them by the hand before they grab the lunch. Big kiss on the face and hug him tight and say, Lord, by the name of Jesus, touch my baby today. Touch them as they go to school. Bless now those that are in school. Touch those who are teaching them. Lord, if they're not saved, we pray by the power of your spirit to move them out of the way and let my child learn. God, take care of my baby. I don't want to see them all messed up, but I know you're going to do it because you are God. I know you're going to work it out because you say I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I know, God, that you're going to fix it. You fix it for me, and I know you fix it for my baby. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you're doing. You're mighty, oh God. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name. Yoke of bondage. The world has turned its face in every direction against God. You tell somebody that you're a Christian or they find out that you're a child of the king. They walk by you like you got smallpox. They don't even want to listen to you. They even get up from the table you're sitting with them and they go somewhere maybe to the water cooler. Water cooling ain't going to help you because where you're going, you ain't going to need it. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, believer, hear what I'm saying. He said, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Why? To present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice. My friend, the Christian's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it represents the totality of one's life and activities. When God began to get your attention and you give your life over to the Lord, he began to do an inside job on you. Uh, your appetite began to change. You don't think the way you used to think. You don't walk the way you used to walk. You don't talk the way you used to talk. Your whole vernacular began to change. Your whole vocabulary began to change. Sometimes you begin to scare folk off by saying, Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. Sitting with your friend at the lunch table, and you begin to say, Lord, bless now this food. And they, they look at you with the fork in their hand and food dropping out of their mouth and figuring out what you're trying to say. 
But I'm here to tell you that God's that blessed them. In the name of Jesus, God will work it out. Can I get a witness? A living and holy sacrifice. That's the believer in Christ. People may not see that, but maybe it's not for them to see. It's for us to act holy. It's for us to be holy as he is holy. That means some stuff you got to take off. I don't mean your clothes. I mean the stuff in your heart and your mind. The stuff in the how you treat folk. The Bible declares Jesus said so much love ye one another as I have loved you. We don't love one another like God said for us to love. We're too busy talking and poking and making fun of somebody. But I'm here to tell you, God see it all. And he's reminding all of us today that you got to present yourself a living sacrifice. As the, as the old prophet would put the animal on the altar and then have a sacrifice for what God is doing. God don't want no dead sacrifice. He wants us who are alive as a sacrifice for him. That will serve him and give him glory, honor, and praise. That's how we have to live. Romans says again, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is a picture suggestive of the Jewish sacrifices that were placed on the altar as described in the Old Testament. The altar my friend, is holy. The sacrificial animals were holy. And what the priest did at the altar in presenting the sacrifice was also holy. And if the sacrifice was done according to God's plan, he accepted the sacrifice. I wonder, is God accepting our sacrifice? We are on the altar of God, and we ought to be the holy one that God is going to use for his glory. But today, God has called you with a holy calling. Not about a call to preach. Not about a call to teach. It's not that kind of call. It's a call to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. We've got to be prepared to be ready to do what God will have us to do. And we've got to be prepared in the right way. Did you know that when they had old sacrifices back in those days, that they couldn't just sacrifice a lamb that was three-legged or was blind or had the mange. No! God would not accept it. So why would we get on the altar with all kind of old junk on us? If you live your life according to God's plan, then it is acceptable to him as your spiritual act of worship. How then shall we live? And he says in verse 2 of Romans 1, 12, 1, and do not be conformed to this world. Too often we are being conformed to the world. Many of us dress just like them. You can't tell us from them. And our attitude is just like them. You can't tell us from them. But we're different in church. Do you think that's okay with God? Uh, whoever said that, bless you. Amen. They said no. 
And do not be conformed to this world. That's, that, that means not living according to the lifestyle of this present and evil world. Just looking at TV the other night and just looking at how all the entertainment goes. And uh, sisters, I'm not picking on y'all. But them folk on the TV, they need to put some clothes on. Our children are watching all of this, and that's how they think they ought to be. No! Yeah, you can tell I'm old school. When the brothers were singing back in the day, all of them had suits on. They were doing their thing together. But today, you don't know who's who. I know that things change. I got that. And I'm not saying that's the best then or now. But at least the sisters didn't have, that they had some clothes on back then. That's what the world wants us to see. We begin to model our lives and our children by the lives of the stuff that we see. But we are a holy nation. We are the people of God. It's difficult, yes. It's tough, yes. But there ought to be some standard. And not only what Paul says that, but be transformed. What do you mean? Be totally changed from the inside out. When the word of God gets in our heart and begin to generate and begin to, to bring things up and begin to, you begin to look different and talk different, that's being renewed, that's being changed, that's being transformed. Then he says, by the renewing of your mind. What do you mean renewing of the mind? I'm glad you asked. The believer's mind is made new by constant input of God's word. We don't have enough God's word in us at all. We won't even come to Bible study or Sunday school. Numbers are fading as we talk. We barely have a few people for prayer. How then can you live if you're in constant contact with the Lord? How then can we live if you don't have the word of God renewing your mind? We fool around with the world. We were talking just like them. I watched some of these guys and women on TV, uh, you know, and uh, what happened was, and uh, what? What school did you go by? Our kids grow up and they come the same way. And that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our minds are made up, made new by constant input of God's word. Worship, prayer, fellowship. And oftentimes, those particular instances, you don't have enough people. There's not so much enough. We don't have the people who are hungry enough for the Word of God. The Bible declares that the Word of God is our necessary food. It looks like we ain't hungry enough. Maybe they needed some ribs to go with that. I don't know. And worship. Sometimes we come to worship, and I'm just, I'm just a little weird, amen. Y'all give me that. But I want to clap my hand. I don't have to be of a particular denomination to say praise the Lord. I don't have to. I praise God because of what he's doing. I praise God because he could have took me out, but he didn't. He saved me. 
And he's still blessing me, even though I mess up from time to time. I get up back on my knees and begin to pray, Lord, forgive me. God forgives me, and I get up and get going again for the glory of God. I'm not missing anything, and I'm praising him in the house. I may be hurting in the body, but I thank you, Lord. I may not be able to talk well. Thank you, Jesus. I may not be able to sing good, but I thank you, Lord, that I can open my mouth and say something for Jesus. I want to praise you. This is how we should live. Since you and I, my beloved, since you and I belong to Christ, Paul informs us that we are not our own. It's sad. And some of us, my friends, we think we are it. But if you ever looked in the Word of God and see what it is, we're not even a grain of sand as far as God is concerned, but yet, yet he loves us. He informs us that we are not our own. We do not belong to ourselves anymore. This is not my ministry. This is God's ministry that he put me over. And I remind myself, this ain't mine. I know we say that and, and on and all of that kind of stuff. Not mine. This is what God did. God called me. I didn't have, I, all I had was a tore-up Bible. And I'm scounded an Air Force hymnal. That's all I had. But I had a desire to praise him. I had a desire to serve him. I didn't know I was going to do it, but I said, God, I'm your man. I was all in. How many of you are all in for the Lord? <laughs> Ministry is costly. It will cost you to serve God, but the rewards are outstanding. It'll cost you to preach, but the rewards are outstanding. Now, it'll cost you to be a teacher of God's word. It'll cost you, but it'll be a wonderful reward. The Lord's going to say to me, oh, many of you, well done, the good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many. That's what the Lord said. Will you hear that when he calls you? The price, before I said that, the word of God said that you and I were bought with a price. Think of slaves back in our history. My people, the Hebrews, they were bought and sold like chattels. They were property of somebody. But let's use that same analogy. When I gave my life to Christ, I've been, I've become like Paul, a slave unto the Lord. I'm not my own. He called me. Not only did he call me, he blessed me and he saved me. And I live for him. No, I'm not perfect as I live, but I try to live for him with all I have. When I come to the house of the Lord, I got, oh, when I come, I get so happy and so excited to, because of what God has done for me. I get happy and excited for what he's still doing for me. I get happy because of what he's doing for my family. I get happy and joy because I can come in this place and just praise him and thank him. He woke me up early this morning. 
started me on my way. It wasn't the alarm clock. It wasn't my wife. It was God that said, yes, it's time to get up. It was him that said, I love you. Come on, you got to go. Oh, I praise him. Oh, I praise him. Some of them back in the day said, can't nobody treat me like the Lord. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do to me what Jesus can do. Oh, I love him and I praise him. What a mighty God that he is. He called me. Also, Paul recognizes that he is not his own. And he says, I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. And he's under the leadership and command of the Lord Jesus. And so he pleads with his audience and us to walk worthy of the calling. Yes, people are going to look at you funny. They're going to talk about you. Yeah, they're already talking about you. They're looking out the window, perhaps, when you get ready to leave your house. Looking through the blind, to my yeah, there they go again. <laughs> what a witness that is. Everybody all dressed up, jumping to the van or the truck. And you're on your way to serve the Lord. In addition, he says one should walk worthy. Walk refers to the believer's daily conduct. And it's how you and I conduct our lives before God and man. Worthy carries with it the idea of living to match one's position in Christ. Are we holy? In other words, the believer is to be everything the Lord desires and empowers all of us to become by his spirit, to walk worthy of the calling of God. He says this in Romans 8.30, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. That means he said they put right. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. He, Paul speaks in Second Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our words or works, but according to his own purpose and grace was granted us in Christ Jesus. This holy calling in which we speak is that God saved us and called us to a holy life. And here is what I was sharing much earlier. He says in 1 Peter 1, 15, 16, but like the, the holy one who called you, be holy yourself. Also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is how we should live, in holiness and obedient submission to God. There's a couple of more things, and we're going to be done. He says in verse 2, with all humility, listen to me, church. Listen to me. We ought to be, live with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Showing tolerance for one another in love. Galatians 2, 3 says this. Bear one another's burdens. And therefore fulfill the love of Christ. In case you're wondering, humility can be described as lowliness. 
Too many church folk want to be high all the time. Not only high on beverages or drugs, they just want to be high on themselves as if they're called by God to do thus and such and that they are next to God. Bear one another's burden. Humility talk about lowliness, but he helps us to understand it from Romans 12, 3, that we are not to think, listen to me, church, if that's you, you are not to think of yourselves too highly, but to think soberly. The New Living Translation of the Bible says it best. Do not think you are better than you are. And furthermore, it means do not have an inflated view of yourself. Some of us got that, oh, we got it going on like we're getting a prize. No wonder people, you, you repel people instead of drawing them to you. Again, in Galatians 6, 3, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives, he or she deceives themselves. How then shall we live? Being diligent, or be careful to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. <clears throat> That's a serious one. How often do we look at the church and other people who don't be in the church look at us as though we are not together? And they're right. We are not together. We got more hell in the church than you got in H-E-B. We can't even get along with one another. Always picking and talking about folk. I've seen it where someone would come to the church. A sister would come to the church. She don't know nothing about being in no church. She don't skirt about it as long as my jacket. And she's still trying to pull it down. And y'all talking about it. No! Go to ATP and somebody and get a long dress. She'll be all right. So you have to talk about the unity of the spirit. And that is that the spiritual cord that surrounds and binds God's holy people together. Sometimes we look at someone's dress or maybe a man and look at their dress and they're like they don't belong here. I'm serious when I say when people come to visit you and they say they don't have no church clothes, you tell them your pastor said that as long as you are not naked, you're good to go. And don't talk about them when they show up. That's why people leave the church. That's why people don't want to come to church. They are not saved. They need Jesus. We need Jesus. We're in the right place, but we do the wrong thing. I preached a sermon long ago, and I may have to resurrect it. And the title of the sermons, it was that, careful, your attitude is showing. The Apostle Paul sums it up in Colossians 3.14. He says, beyond all these things, put on love. Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. This is not uniformity. Unity. We are of the people of God. We are a holy nation. The Bible says we are a peculiar people. Act like it. This is how we should live. We live by the grace and mercy of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. We conclude then that we are mutually dependent upon one another. It's what I call the one another principle. Love ye one another. Bear one another's burdens. We are that kind of people. And then in verse 4, there is one body. Don't get it twisted. There's one body and one spirit. 
just as you are also called in one hope of your calling. The one body is the church. The body of Christ, which is composed of every believer since the day of Pentecost by the works of that one spirit. One hope is the pledge and promise of God of eternal inheritance. And one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one Lord, Jesus, who is the Christ. Luke writes, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is one faith. The body of truth, the scriptures, and finally, one baptism. By water baptism, which is believer's public confession of faith in Jesus Christ and a spiritual baptism, which every believer is placed into the body of Christ. Don't let people fool you. There's no extra work of grace. The moment you, con- you, you confess your sins and talk to Christ and ask him to come into your life, the Spirit of God comes in and spiritually baptizes you into the body of Christ. There ain't no extra nothing. We can't even get done with what we already got. People want you to make you feel like you're all that and two bags of chips. No. There's only one God. It says Deuteronomy 6, 4. The Lord our God is one. Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then spiritually, how shall you live? Spiritually, you cannot. You may have an existence, but you're not living. You may say that you are alive, but the Bible said that you are dead and trespasses and sins. How then shall I live? It's simple. Very simple. Ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins and trust him as your Savior. Ask him by faith to come into your life right now. For the scripture says, the Lord himself says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on him today. Call on him right now and live in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for your attendance and your support of the podcast. We do hope to see you again or hear you again or even talk to me again. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.